You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. So today we're looking at this topic. Pastor Lisa did uh, part of the uh, message last, last week. We is greater than me. And we're doing this in conjunction with our connection groups. As she said, what you saw today is only half of those groups. We highlighted the other half last week. So would you stand for the reading of the word? And this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1, verse 5, and verse 7. And I'm going to give you a little heads up. I won't be specifically addressing these scriptures until the very end of the message. But I'll land that plane. And everybody said amen to that. I'll get it there. But anyway, let's read it together. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The Lord, I pray that you would help the word Uh, be applied into our lives. I pray that we not just have open minds, but open hearts. And God, that we're looking for your activity to come not only alongside of us, hey, Jesus, send it through us. And we pray these things in your name. And everybody said amen. 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 Lord bless you. Be seated. So I'm going to highlight a few comments that I actually used over this past month. But it's important to set up uh, for these reasons or these comments because people often say, wow, you have so many different groups and so many uh, varied ways of doing things. Why is that? Because now we're in a culture where there are so many challenges going on at one time. There's no way as a pastor that I can address every single crisis, every single need that happens. And so we have all these groups that allow people to get into based on the need that they're currently happening, that are currently happening in our life. And if you look at the screen, it's just because Christianity at certain times faces significant cultural challenges. And today, we're not just seeing a challenge, we're seeing multiple challenges. So many values that we espouse as followers of Christ are are being uh, challenged, and there's a a challenge to change. And I will just say this, even from some folks who say they're followers of Christ, I'm not here to rail on them, I'm not here to bang on them, but they sincerely believe that some things need to change, and I'm just like, I hear you. But you better understand the long-term ramifications of these things that you're talking about. Because what I want to show you is this. Christians are now becoming what I call more Roman in their beliefs than biblical. And when I say Roman, the the followers of Christ in the New Testament were were, were trying to live a life based on the Roman Empire and and its values, which were so against Christian values. So it wasn't that hard to figure out who a Christian was, not because they were loud, not because they were drawing attention to themselves in a deliberate way. It was just based on their values were so in contrast with what Rome was doing. You didn't have to, it didn't take very long to go, oh, you're a follower of Christ because you're like totally, totally different. And we see this desire to fit in with culture, but I'm here to say sometimes you don't want to fit in with culture. 
It's not a good idea. I understand that idea of wanting to fit in and have some kind of identity and culture, but if you're not careful, culture will take you places that you don't want to go and get you to do things you don't want to do. And everybody said amen. amen. Another thing that's happened that we see in, in today's culture is that there's this, you don't hear anybody use this phrase, but it exists. People are omnist. What do I mean by that? Oh, well, yeah, I believe in God, but you know, I also believe in all these others. And I go, oh, so you're an omnist. They're like, no. Go, yeah, you're. An, I know you don't use the phrase. I know it's not. If we say, you know, you're you're a, a, an atheist. You know, you use some of these phraseology. Go, oh yeah, I understand that. But you say omnist. We're like, mm. it just sounds like something you ought to say no to. What's an omnis? It just believes in a variety of religions. Well, you know, for me it's Christianity, but for other people it's this, and you know, and I, hey, I might even dabble a little bit in these others. And what you don't understand is you're, you're pulling the foundation of the Christian faith right out. What, what's one of the foundations? Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, the life. He didn't, say, he didn't say I'm one of the ways. He said I am the way, the truth, the life. And then he said this, no one goes to the Father except through me. Now, he, he didn't say, now, I'm one of the options to get there. He said, no one goes to the Father but through me. Now, you have to understand, if you start to toy with that, then you're saying this, Jesus was a liar, or Jesus was delusional, or Jesus was a deceiver. Those, you, you, you have to understand that when you start to say, well, maybe, maybe there's a lot of other... By the way, let me just point this out. Let's just look at, you see, I just, I don't think arguing wins anybody, but just being able to talk your faith intelligently is critical. You may not get a convert on the spot, but it's something for people to process. And I just, so one of the other things I say is this, if there are other ways to God, why in the world did Jesus go through what he did? I mean, it almost makes him look foolish. You're telling me there was another, other options to God, and Jesus chose to die on a cross and go through what he did? I mean, come on. Anybody in their right mind would go, if there's another option here, let's go with it. In fact, isn't that what Jesus said in the garden? Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass. But not my will, your will be done. Jesus even said, if there's another way to do this, I'm open to it. So you're saying that Jesus didn't need to do what he did. I mean, so that's why I say it's just nobody on the spot goes, well, I guess I have to change my You got to give that time to marinate and make them think and let them process this ominous mentality. A couple other things. There's this, I, and this is again why we have connection groups to help people is it, there's, this, there's this movement to separate the person of Jesus from God's word. You'll hear people, I believe in God, I just don't believe in everything that's in the Bible. I didn't know we could separate the two. But in American ideology, people do that. I love Jesus, I love God, I just don't necessarily agree with everything that's written here. And you're like, well, have you ever read John 1, 1? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What do you do with that? I don't know, I'm going to have to look at that later. Please do. <laughs> and I say that respectfully, please do, because I don't think you understand what you're, how, with what you're doing, you don't know where that will take you. 
You cannot separate the word from, from the person of Jesus. And then here's, here's the big crisis going on right now because school is launched and parents, administrators, teachers are trying to sort this out. Our culture is losing the priority of protecting children's innocence. I said this a couple weeks ago. Rule number one of any culture. You don't even have to have a Christian culture. Just any culture, rule one. Protect the innocence of your kids because that's the future of your country. Number two, don't ever violate rule number one. (laughs) Don't do it because history has shown the severity of consequences when that happens. It doesn't play out in weeks and months. It plays out in years. And because it took years to develop, it takes years to fix. And by the time, let me tell you this. A lot of this stuff that's being pumped out there, I know this is going to, eh, it might get me in trouble. It won't get me in trouble with you, but it'll get me in trouble. Okay. Let me just tell you this. This is nothing but a great experiment that they're doing. There is no historical evidence that says the stuff they're pumping is a good idea. There is no history. They are determined to be the first in history to make it a good idea. They are experimenting. I don't say that to rile you up. I don't say that to make you angry. I say that so that you can be sober in mind as a parent, as a teacher, as an administrator. Be careful what they're saying and doing. It's an experiment. And I don't, listen to me, I don't think you experiment with kids. I don't. That's not what you do. But that's what's happening. And, that's, and I say, as a parent, it's okay to say, stay in your lane as a teacher, administrator, leave me as the parent. Amen. It's okay to say that. And say, by the way, we say the truth in love. Amen. We don't say it in hate. We don't say it in revenge. We don't say it in anger. We speak the truth in love. And everybody said amen. amen. All right, so now, why, what is this? So what does connection groups have to do with it? Because there's, like I said, Everybody has a crisis or a need or a challenge that they're handling. And so we have to do a variety of things. Various stages of life have a way of saying, well, you know, there's a lot of things on my plate, but right now this is the main priority. And I need a group that can help me deal in this particular arena. But the other part is this, is you're going to recognize that being a follower of Christ means you have to go along with other people. It's not a solo journey. Okay, I'll let the amens die down. Everybody read number one with me. Our faith is meant to be lived out in relational community, not in isolation. Notice I said relational community. Pastor Lisa said it so good last week. We are not a church with connection groups. We are a church of connection groups. Why is that so important? Because Christianity is a relationship. It's a relationship with God. It is a relationship with other people. It was never meant to be an event. It was never meant to be something that we do for an hour or two and then we check out and go back to our... It is, listen, can I just... It is a lifestyle. Okay? But that doesn't happen in a week, a month. It takes time. And to stay the course takes effort. So we're saying, listen, this is about being relational and intentional. Because what you find is there's these spiritual concepts in the Bible. And what I want to do is take you through those. 
And people, re- people say these words, but they don't understand the dynamic of what it implies. These big concepts all require relationship. So evangelism, that's a big concept in the, in, in, the, in the Christian movement. But it says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So if I'm going to be engaged in evangelism, I have to be with people, which means that I'm going to have to have relationships so they understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because without relationship, let me tell you something, I've been a pastor long enough, and then you start to see what I call full cycle. When you sometimes, listen, when you sometimes help people anonymously, or you sometimes help people without relationship, they just think they got lucky. Like they won the lottery. And you're like, no, that was the last thing I wanted to feed into your brain. But with relationship, they receive the help and go, you're my friend. I didn't expect you to do this for me. I know that. Well, I, I don't know if I can take it. Yes, you can. Because it matters to me what happens to you. Now, that's evangelism. When you help somebody, and they have, and by the way, it says that they may see your good deeds. We're not doing this to make ourselves famous. We do it so that they go, why do you care so much? Now, if you don't know where to take it from there, God help you. (laughs) Because you go, there's probably a day I wouldn't have cared. But he changed my life. And now now I care about the people in my sphere of influence. And when I see a need, I feel compelled to do something. There's concept of discipleship. Jesus said, go and and make, he didn't say make converts. He says, make what? And of all nations. So there's why we involve ourselves in missions, because, hey, I thank God for his activity at the bridge, but the kingdom of God is bigger than us. So we need to behave like that. We all hate the child who doesn't know that they have siblings and thinks they're the special one and the special child. We all know that that child disrupts the whole family disorder. And you sometimes have to, you know, have this conversation like, you know, the world doesn't revolve around you. And the child goes, really? Yeah, you've got brothers, you've got sisters. And and if you have more than one child, you've obviously been asked this question at some point. Who do you love more, me or them? I didn't say look at your kid and fix the problem right now. Just, okay. But anyway, you, and you go, well, I, I love you all. Yeah. Sometimes as Christians, we can pull that stunt with God. Like somehow what he's doing in us is better than what he's doing in other people. Hey, can you just recognize that you're a son and a daughter of God and there's other people in the family? It would really help, and you'll find out. You'll get along with people. So we're to have this, but discipleship requires relationship. I mean, that's getting to know each other, what the challenges are, and what's happening. What's, and then there's these gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what has happened, but so many Pentecostals think that the gifts of Holy Spirit are designed to make them famous. No, it's designed to make you effective. In fact, It says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for who? Okay, half of you know how to read. The rest of you are still learning. Is given for who? 
Oh, it's not for you. It's for other people. And it says you're to be doing it in a way that serves the people around you. You say, well, I'm capable of so much more. Have you ever been to a hamburger joint and you just wanted a hamburger? And then they said, wheat, rye, or white? Just give me a bun. Would you like that medium, rare, or well done? Just cook it. Ketchup, mustard, pickle, onion. I just want a hamburger. And you, you know, you're just like, well, is that with Swiss cheese, cheddar cheese, American cheese? American, white or, white or yellow? And it's like, you know, I need a hamburger. And you're trying to impress me with what you're so, you're, you're, capable, you're capable of so much more. That's great. Just give me a hamburger. Am I right? And sometimes Christians do that. Well, I'm just capable of so much more. That's fine. But your job is to meet the need in front of you. And meet it in a way that does them good. Stop trying to use that as a platform to propel yourself. Just help for the common good. And stop asking, what is it, what's in it for you? Have, have, don't we just sometimes do things because it's the right thing to do? So, there's this concept also out there. Hopefully, my clicker just stopped clicking. There we go. Oh, now I got multiple ones. Here we go. How about correction? That definitely involves two people. You don't want to have a conversation with yourself in the mirror correcting yourself. You know what I'm talking about? That'd be a little strange. But we, but we do correct each other. And here's the thing. Most people, they don't... Here's, here, I'm going I'm to give you an example. Correction cannot accomplish what it needs to accomplish without a prior relationship. When there's no relationship and you parachute correction in, it comes across as legalism. It comes across as judgment. So I'm going I'm to just give you a little insight about our church leadership. We have elders, we have board of, of administration, we have pastoral team, we have connection group leaders. We, so we have a pretty substantial leadership team here at the church. When we see that somebody needs corrected, the first conversation that we engage in is this. Who has a relationship with them that can talk to them? That's first. Who has a relationship that can have this conversation? Because the relationship will enable the correction to be more readily received. Because they know that this person knows them well enough, and they generally know how to talk to them. Because everybody, listen, we want people to know each other well enough that if there's tension that arises, that you can say, hey, I feel like there's something going on here and I, I just want to clear the air. A friend has a better chance of doing that than some authority figure. Now, I'm going to have you read this verse, this verse here. Proverbs 12.1. Everybody read it. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but... I did not jump translations. I'm still using the NIV. I always preach out of the NIV. Does anybody need me to explain that? 
Translated, it's a bad idea to think that you never need this. We all do. Okay, notice how quiet it got. Trust, okay, anyway, I was going to say, well, how many know the person next to you probably could use, no, I'm just kidding, don't say that. <laughs> Proverbs 13, 18, whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. Wow. So it tells us this, that correction can save us from being embarrassed because we're engaged in doing something wrong. And by the time we realize it, there could be some things that embarrass us. And it says correction can save us and actually retain our honor. And then you come to Proverbs 15, verse 12. Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. Now there's a strategy. I don't want to talk to them. Why? Because they're going to tell me something and I don't want to hear it. Well, that's brilliant. You know, the old stick your head in the sand and then there's no problem. No. The Bible tells us, hey, we need to stay open. We, we don't want to avoid. Listen, correction could save me some heartache. It could save me some trouble. We're not, all of us, listen, we're not all able to see the, for, the, the momentums of our life and where they could lead to. Sometimes people observing us can see it better. But I'm here to tell you, without relationship, it's hard to receive correction. We go, well, well who told you? Well, the old thing, well, judge not lest you be judged. You're like, well, that conversation just went south. This is not going to go anywhere. But with relationship, because of prior experiences, a prior background of respect and love and decency, hey, we all need, listen, we all need somebody in our life who has permission to come up to us and go, hey, are you doing all right? Now, if it's a person we don't have relationship we, with, we know how to blow that off. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. And that person pretty well feels obligated back off. But when it's a friend who knows us, who knows our conversation, knows our tone, knows our life, knows our body language, you know, how we act, and they go, are you all doing all right? Because, I mean, you just seem a little off. And if, if I'm wrong, okay, but I just, are you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm fine. But a friend goes, are you sure? And you know you got somebody in front of you that's doing more than listening to your words. They're reading you. And you know. You see, a lot of times people fail because they haven't established a track record of sowing into good relationships. Listen, I'm going to give you a I didn't give this through the first service, so don't tell them. It's very important for us to know how to cultivate what I call redemptive relationships. You know what those are? Redemptive relationships? These are people who have my interest at heart, and when I'm around them, I just do better because of them. Redemptive relationships. Who are your redemptive relationships that when you walk away from that person or that connection group, you just go, I'm a better person. I may not have said a word, but I'm a better person just because I was in the room and I was talking and I was listening. Amen? And then there's, the, there's this thing called needs. Look at this. People often say, well, I want to help. You can't help people you don't know. So that pretty well obligates you to stick your neck out and get to know people so that when they get a need, you know. 
Because, listen to Titus 3.14. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Some of you are shocked that that's in the Bible. You're going to look at it right now just to make sure that Pastor Greg didn't make that one up. Yeah. So one of the things is this. I've got to stay connected so that I'm aware of when somebody's in need. Again, what I have found is this. When I help somebody that I'm in relationship, it means everything because they go, well, man, I, didn't, I wasn't doing this because I wanted you to help me. I said, I know that. Well, I know. I know. I mean, I'm sure you guys have got your own challenge yeah we do well I don't understand why because you're my friend and because it matters to me what happens to you but see when you help people anonymously when you do things because uh, I when you've been in the ministry as long as I have been you start to see the full cycle of people's perceptions of things and one of the things I notice is the the anonymous help and what sometimes happens in people's mentality is because they don't know who it came from and there was no relationship with the person who helped them, they actually have the mentality like they won the lottery. Whoa, it was, I was so lucky. A check showed up in the mail. And they actually think that's how future needs will be met. And you're like, no, no, most of us don't get a check in the mail. Most of us get a bill in the mail. I'm not saying I haven't got a check in the mail, but it's just tough to live a life expecting to always get a check in the mail. It happens, but not enough to make a lifestyle out of it. But people, that's why I say they, they live with the stories they tell themselves about what happened. And that's why I say don't underestimate the value of relationship. Just saying, if I'm helping because you matter. You matter to me. And that's why I'm doing this. And the other part is this. If you, if, if you had Jesus do in your life what he's done in my life, you'll help somebody too one day because there was a day I might have been saying, help. And God's helped me out of this, but I've never forgot what he got me out of. So yeah, I'm paying it forward. Absolutely, I'm paying it forward. And I'm doing it as a praise and an honor and as a thanksgiving offering to him. And everybody said amen. amen. Okay, if you keep this up, I got, I got five points. No, I got two. I got three. I got three points. This is a really long one. Everybody read it out loud. We are more sustainable and effective when we coordinate the activity of God in our lives with the activity of God in other people's lives. Jesus said in John 15, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. Did he say bear fruit? What does it say? Bear. Ah, so it's not enough that I'm in the positive column. He wants to see a lot in the positive column. Well, the Bible teaches us this. If one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. So I am more productive when I coordinate my activity in my life with the activity of God in your life. We both are beneficiaries, and we both get more done. It's going to require other people. Then in Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You are able to bear up and handle much more in life when you are a part of a relational community. You can take more. You can withstand more. Why? Because you have other people that you can pull from. And here's the thing. You're going to learn that you can go further and do things that you would otherwise never do 
when you pull on the strength of other people. I'll give you a quick, I'm going to use an example of something. So in my own life, I play, growing up, I played a lot of sports. As a result of sports, you had a lot of what you call off-season training. And so I learned all that. And even after I got out of college, I still stayed active playing a lot of uh, leagues and sports and all those kinds of things. And here's the thing. There's nothing that happens at a gym that I already don't know how to do. I just don't do them. <laughs> I mean, I know what to do. I know how often to do it. And so I've had, I have to leverage myself. So I go to this, this place, it's CrossFit, I do CrossFit. And one of the things that I do is, is because doing that, I'm accountable to people. I have to log in and say, I'm showing up at this class on this time. And you know that they have the audacity to charge me. <laughs> I am paying people to get me to do things I already know how to do. Some of you would say, that's insane. Hey, I'm just telling you, most people don't do what's expected. Most of us do what is inspected. Some of you went, oh, he's talking at me. Yeah. And so I go to the gym, and, and they don't call me Pastor Greg. Instructor calls me Hackett. And then if I'm not in perfect form, she calls me Gregory. <laughs> and I say, I'm not in perfect form because this is more comfortable for me. And I'm relaxing a little bit. And she says, that's not what you're paying me to do to you. <laughs> so do it like this. Okay. And then if I don't show up when I make a reservation, they find me. <laughs> so like, man, when I, when I put in that I'm going to be there this day, this time, I'm like on the hook because if I don't show, not only do I have to pay my membership, I got to pay a fine. Yeah. See, I know myself well enough to go. I need to leverage the relationships in my life, even to do the things that I know how to do already. Some of you would learn that, learn it well in other aspects of your life. If we didn't show up for church, most of us would not be worshiping and learning at this depth and level right now. Come on. You would not. See, this is, this is the ability to leverage relationships and times together go, listen, you know why I go to church? Because it forces me, it puts me in a context to get into a depth of worship I would never get on my, my experience myself. And I get a depth of teaching and the word applied to my life that I would never get on my own. I am leveraging the relationships of that church to help me to grow. That's what we do. So we're more sustainable and we're more effective when we understand ourselves that way. We leverage the relationships around us to get us to do things we would otherwise never do. Here's the last one, and boy, is it an aha. Read it out loud. Our role, when's anybody ever told you you were jar clay? Well, it's a scripture that we read. There's a couple things that I want to highlight in this text. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. So anything that God has given to you, you understand it's his mercy. 
what it says. You didn't earn it. You may have cultivated it once he gave it to you. But the bottom line is, whatever you started off with life was a gift of mercy from him to you. And yes, from there on, we have the obligation to work and develop. But the bottom line is that initial gifting comes from him. Verse number five, for we, what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Christ or for Jesus' sake. So the context, don't worry, they did exactly what they were supposed to. This is not a moment in services being very disruptive. Those, those, they know me so well, they read my body language and knew this was coming. Some of you just missed that totally. So we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus. So the, here's the thing. We don't do what we do to make ourselves famous. We do what we do to make him famous. Amen. Then it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. What's this jar, the treasure in the jars of clay? In their day, they had these uh, uh, jars of clay, and they could do any, they would hide sometimes their treasures in these jars of clay. Sometimes it would hold uh, the water that they needed. Uh, sometimes they would use it to go to the market and carry things. And even, so listen, the jars of clay could be used uh, if somebody was sick in the house and, and uh, some human excrement or whatever needed to be taken out of the house, they would use jars of clay. They had a multiple of functions. The, the bottom line was this. The jars of clay, they understood their role. Their purpose was to serve. That's what a jar of clay did. It served the inhabitants of the house. And it tells us here that we have this treasure. What's that treasure? Well, I'll tell you this. It's that living water. God has made us unique with the ability to be creative. And so what you have is this. So I'm going to show you this. So all these containers are designed to have water. Now, it all depends on the context of what I'm doing that determines which one I'm going to use. So sometimes my wife and I are in a hurry and we're heading out the house and we don't want to stop at the fridge and fill the water. We're just like, grab a bottle of water and we're in, we're going. I go, I know some of you are going, oh, the plastic. Just learn to live with it. We try to be as sensitive as we can. We're just in a hurry to get out the door. Reason I like this one is uh, it's durable. Now, the Potomac Ministry Network gave this to us, but this is actually a, a pretty good uh, biking water bottle, you know, because it's made of metal. So if you if you're if you drop it while you're biking, it's like we're good. It's metal. It's not going to break. It's not going to crack. But it's good. This one, if you can't see it, says Masters. This is what I take out when I'm trying to impress somebody. Yes, from the Masters golf tournament. You say, oh. So people say, oh, you've been to the Masters. Nope, never been there. How'd you get the cup? I said, we have some very good friends in our church, and she works for uh, a corporation that has to be present uh, at the Masters program. So, you know, I say if you got some spare time and you're swinging by the store, and you can swing in there and pick up something so that I can impress my friends. I'd appreciate it. So I said, they, they, uh, she got this for us. And I said, you know, I like to, I like to take that out when I go play golfing because it convinces people I know that, I'm, that I actually know what I'm doing or something, you know. But it is, it's, it's good. And then when you come to our house and we want to impress you, we don't use these, we, we use these. So if you ever come to our house and 
we give you one of these, they're like, oh, they're trying to impress us. Yes, we are. <laughs> if we give you this, we're just saying, yeah, you're a friend. <laughs> and you see this says Papa G. My, my kids got it's a picture of me and my wife with all my grandkids. Some days it's not the water, it's just I just want to stare at that. I'll drink water, just remind myself. Good family. This is what I take to CrossFit. It's durable, I can drop it, it won't break. You see that big opening? I'm not the guy who sits there. When I need a drink of water, I don't want to squirt it, I need to guzzle. This allows me to take substantial, big gulps of water to keep going because I, I don't know, I can't get enough water fast enough out of those squirt bottles, you know? And then you gotta wait for the air to fill it back up. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're dying. <laughs> so I like this baby. I can just, and, I, and if I drop it, it's no foul, no harm, we're good. And then there's this. I can never pick this up without getting emotional. My son did a couple tours in Iraq. When he was over there, he bought this and brought it home. It just reminds me that God brought my son home safe, intact. And I know a lot of people didn't make it back that way. So you might say that's my cup of Thanksgiving. You know what you notice? It's all the same water. But for some people, the container matters. Our connection groups are containers. I gave this illustration to them a couple weeks ago. And it's this. You look at scripture, Jesus said he's the living water. But people will look at the container to, to decide what they need. They're in a hurry. Yeah, I want to impress somebody. I want to reflect. Man, I'm grinding it out. I need water and I need it fast. They're going to look at your connection group as a container. You can change the container based on the audience that you're trying to draw. But as a connection group leader, don't you ever change the water. I don't want to pick up a bottle and be told, now you know that's 70% pure. Well, I'm not drinking that one. Yeah, but it's 70%, that's, no. Don't mess with the water. Change your cup, change how much it holds, change whether it's extremely transparent, maybe it's not, but it's gotta be the same water. When they show up at your group, it's gotta be the same Jesus. Don't mess with the water. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand to our feet as we wrap it up. Come on, all over. Would you just take a minute and lift your hands? I want you to thank him. Thank him that he's the living water. Thank him for the fact that he can fit in the container of our life.
jars of clay. He chooses to put such a valuable gift in jars of clay. Man, what an honor. Come on, praise him for that now. 